Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. Today's episode is with founder of Almo Milk, Linda Monique. Known as a serial entrepreneur and marketing consultant for corporate brands, Linda often combines technology and her expertise in branding, food and global retail. Linda's brand, Almo Milk, is now Australia's most premium, 100% owned, long-life almond milk. Almo is an award-winning plant-based milk which is sustainable and consciously produced. Thank you so much for joining us here today. How are you? Good, good. Definitely a busy week, but um, really, really good. Yes, it's always a busy week. How has your busy week been consumed? Um, Funnily enough, October for us has been all about cleaning up, um, and that's everything from systems, processes, through to just my email inbox. Everything needs a bit of a dust, and um, I think we're just getting ready for a very busy spring summer ahead of promotions, launching new products. So I'm just taking the time, and most of this week has been really dedicated to getting our back-end cleaned up, let's say. Oh <laughs> Sounds like a colonic or something. <laughs> yeah, no, but I know what you mean because you actually need, like those kind of things take a lot of time, but when you do dedicate time to it, it gives you back time. But, yeah, it's a, usually a massive, massive task. Definitely, and it requires a lot of team effort and just being on the, the right page with why we're actually doing it and what's the purpose and what's the value. So, I mean, if we're not collecting data the way we should be or we're not capturing information the best we can, um, then there's definitely lost opportunities. So, it's so important Absolutely. to have really good systems in place. Absolutely. So, we, before we talk about the business, being Olmo, Tell us a little bit about you. All right. Well, um, I'm just smiling, I guess. I've had such a colourful career um, in my life. I've delved into so many industries and areas, but um, the one thing that connects, well, basically connects all of those jobs and roles that I've had in my career is um, a real love of design and creativity as well as food. Um, So I finished a double degree at the University of Melbourne um, and that was just a commerce arts degree. I then ventured off to London and um, found myself just picking any job that I possibly could. Um, I fell into some really interesting roles but... um, on the side of, um, let's say, working for billionaires and working as a private chef for celebrities, I was basically following my passion, which was ultimately consulting and working on food design projects. Um, So that was collaborating with hotels, working um, with a number of um, organisations and exhibiting at events like London Design Week and Milan Design Festival. So I've uh, really dabbled in many areas, but um, long story short, I came back from Europe um, really ill and health has really become my number one value and priority in life. So I sort of had to reset myself back in Australia and say, what next? And um, combining my passion for food and cooking, as well as um, love of business, I saw a an opportunity and and essentially that sort of turned into Almo. Wow. So tell us all about Almo. 
Um, well, Almo is definitely an evolving Australian almond milk company. Um, we produce some of the most sustainable, local and nutritious almond-based products and beverages. Um, we currently work with 150 growers here in Australia, um, which is a big co-op that really supports Australian almond growers and um, have been launching a range of almond milk beverages, almond creams and exporting overseas. Uh, so it's been three years since we launched the business and um, Alma continues to, to grow from strength to strength. Wow. So talk us through the range because you've got the, you've actually got like the ready-made milk as well as some flavoured milk and then you've got the cream, as you say, which is like you make it yourself. So can you just talk us through the range so everyone can picture it in their mind? Yes, definitely. Um, so originally we thought we just simply need to create a beautiful, clean, unsweetened almond milk um, that has a really high almond content, uses the entire almond, um, being waste-free and really is just um, fortified with a little bit of calcium. So um, we use a blanched almond paste and basically it just creates a really delicate, wholesome and nutritious almond milk. Um, generally what we were seeing was a lot of um, mums and people trying to make their own almond milk um, from home and um, from scratch. Um, and there was this real sort of interesting concept of saying, actually, there is a faster, simpler, um, more sustainable way of making almond milk. And so evolved um, what we call almond creme. It's a funny uh, word, but instead of calling it cream, like hand cream, um, basically, it's um, an almond paste, uh, similar to tahini, but can be used for baking, cooking, um, as well as making instant fresh almond milk. Um, and so it just seems like a simple um, product to launch. It requires a little bit of education, but we found that absolutely our customers are loving it, eating it on toast, making fresh almond milk at home instantly. Um, and finally, there was just this natural desire to create a range of flavoured almond milks. Of course, um, many people don't really drink flavoured almond milk these days or um, generally dairy milk, but we saw an opportunity to create some really nutritious um, flavoured almond milks with a very low sugar content and just natural ingredients that would be a really nice pick-me-up or a, something to have in the morning. They taste so good as well. <laughs> <laughs> with with the creme, how do you get that consistency? Is it just that you are? It's it's in the process. Like, talk me through how because it's a beautiful creamy texture. Yes, and people go, well, what's the difference between almond butter and almond creme? Um, basically, the almonds we take off the skin, so just that bitter husk. And we slowly cold churn those almonds for over 24 hours um, and to the point where they almost become liquid but not quite liquid. Um, and it means when you simply blend it with water, it will become a white, milky um, liquid. So it's a really sustainable way of making almond milk. There are a number of um, companies that produce long-life almond milks that do use that form. Um, to produce almond milk and um, it's something that requires just a little bit of education and once consumers get their head around it they go oh cool I didn't realize there was a better way of making almond milk. Wow 
Yeah, absolutely. So what was the inspiration behind, you know, creating this product range? Probably frustration. Um, <laughs> and generally, <laughs> I think all brilliant business ideas either come from frustration, sheer anger, or just um, surprise that something doesn't exist. Um, so Alma really evolved because there was no Australian-grown almond milk, long-life almond milk, on the market in 2014. And yet Australia, we are the second largest producer of almonds in the world. And I thought, this is ridiculous. We're shipping all this product, yeah. all these barista blend almond milks. They're made with U.S. almonds. Clearly, ours are much better in quality. We have the world's best irrigation standards. We don't fumigate our almonds here in Australia. And um, and it just, everything had so many ingredients. So it was just a simple, well, let's, let's create and position a product that's premium, um, really limited ingredients, and more almonds. Mm. Yeah. The other the other standout for me is your packaging and branding. I think it's absolutely stunning. Do you do you think that that has really played a role in, you know, the success of the product, um, you know, in terms of sales and getting distribution? Absolutely. Packaging and branding is so critical, especially when you are a small business. It's a way of differentiating yourself from com- well, basically competition and competitors, but also really um, cementing and communicating what your brand positioning is all about, who you're targeting, your target customers. Um, from day one, I really struggled to understand what we should communicate on packaging. And I remember sitting down and thinking to myself, God, there's so many things we could say about this product. We could literally write an essay on the bottle if we wanted to. Yeah. But um, I thought, let the product speak for itself. And coming back to our company values, which I really advocate for any small business to do, is really understand those company values. How do those values, um, how are they actually communicated in the packaging itself? So we're all about simplicity, health, um, integrity. And part of that was saying, well, Perhaps less is more. Let's just not put 500 claims on the front of the bottle. Um, let's let's keep it very simple, minimalist, clean, um, and that's what we want our product to essentially say to commit to basically customers. Yeah, and you know what? You've you've absolutely ticked every single box, and I absolutely love your logo being the almond with the word written in the middle. Yes, it's something that's evolved as well over time. We had something very similar um, and we've just been playing around with fonts. We had a rebrand quite recently in the last six months. Part of that was um, bringing back manufacturing to Australia and uh, changing the packaging to be more environmentally friendly, more sustainable, um, to improve the cost for customers. Um, But generally packaging um, for us, it's been important to adapt and evolve um, the packaging as well. Yeah. So you were saying just before that you're doing an expo this weekend. Talk us through that. 
So a great way of connecting with customers for us has been sampling and really getting customers just trying our products and having conversations around how they consume almond milk and their health issues. And so we've got the Gluten-Free Expo coming up this weekend at um, the Melbourne Convention Centre, but we do so many other consumer shows. I think there's been over 15 this year so far that we've done across Australia. Um, everything from um, Mind, Body, Spirit Festival, Allergy Free Show, the um, the World Vegan Day. Suddenly enough, is an amazing event here in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so That's there's definitely a lot of consumer shows. Yeah. <laughs> have you Have you done many overseas? I'm assuming so. We have done a couple, um, one of which was um, World of Coffee in Amsterdam. So that was really brilliant. And Mm. we're about to head to Shanghai for um, Food Hotel Expo in November. Yeah. Wow. Whereabouts are you stocked and distributed um, overseas? Like what are your big markets? So it's really surprising, but Malaysia is our number one market. Um, We have eight countries in Asia and um, predominantly in Southeast Asia. Uh, So we've got Singapore, Korea, Hong Kong, uh, Dubai, New Zealand, um, and I've probably definitely forgotten a few. We've just sent product to Shanghai, so we've got um, retailers there now selling Elmo, um, and it's continuing to grow in predominantly Southeast Asia, as well as um, new opportunities in China. Wow. So are you having to do much travel over there? Funnily enough, I hadn't done much travel, and all of a sudden, Almo was just, we were sending pallets of stock, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, who is actually buying our products (laughs) over there? But... um, I, def- I definitely knew um, we, there was a really strong statistic that made me um, think about why I was doing this business and making almond milk. And up to 90% of the Aboriginal population is lactose intolerant and as well up to oh. 90% of the Asian population is lactose intolerant. Right. So like trends. When when almond milk started in the US, that was at least three to four years before Australia. And like anything, it sort of it comes a couple of years later to Australia, and then once Australia is onto a onto a basically a trend, it will take at least another two to three years for that trend to really hit Asia, and it's mm. just starting to really grow um but of course knowing that they love soy milk and there's also a desire to have different flavored products i think um asia we saw as the biggest opportunity knowing how much they value australian made products the quality of them as well as just the trust of australian brands as well Yeah, I've got quite a few clients which have got quite a big presence over in China and that's, you know, they all say the same thing, that um, the Australian market gives the credibility for the sales over in China. Definitely. However, I think Southeast Asia is becoming um, more of a middle market that is um, 
basically easier to do business with. They're the younger demographics are traveling through Australia, loving our cafe culture and um, trends. And a lot of them are coming back or going back over there and wanting to import Australian products that they simply don't have over in Malaysia or Singapore. Um, There are bigger expat communities over there as well. And um, certainly the Australian government and um, the Victorian government have been focusing on those regions to help push more Victorian products to export. So good. What steps did you take to start that process of, you know, getting the product overseas? It really happened organically. Um, We had inquiries from overseas buyers and um, there was just some simple logic and steps and processes we needed to take. So our product primarily from day one when designing the product, including the packaging and the fact that it was long life, really took in, taking into account that um, the Asia market prefers to have long life, long life products with a minimum 12-month shelf life. That was really important, understanding the certification that we needed, uh, trademarks as well overseas. Um, so even before thinking of doing business with China, we needed to register our trademarks. That took a good six months. So definitely suggest for anyone considering doing business in in China, there's actually three separate legal systems. So Hong Kong is a separate legal system, Macau is a separate legal system, and China are three separate trademark registrations. Um, and then really looking at the different distribution models. So you can work directly with retailers over in Asia. You can work with um, importers over there. And you can also work with distributors that might also have importing licenses. Or you can also partner up with Australian-based exporters. Um, mm. And sometimes they are Australian businesses with key relationships um, that have been exporting products Um, since the 90s perhaps and each of those different distribution models is a pro and a con um, whether that's um, ensuring that um, you get the product in the right store to the right people and you've got really good trading agreements and trading terms and distribution agreements so there's a few steps um, that can be taken but generally it's almost a learning lesson. I mean, our yeah. Korean um, customer basically found us on Instagram, <laughs> sent us a direct message, and within 48 hours, we were basically doing a deal on WhatsApp and, yeah. um, you know, um, with a few basic principles of um, getting cash up front for first orders, um, knowing who they were, getting a supplier agreement, which could be a one- or two-page document, all of a sudden, we were just getting product onto pallets um, and wow. sending that off to the ports of Melbourne. So things can isn't happen it, really differently absolutely. in Australia. Well, that's the power of technology, isn't it? I mean, gosh, absolutely amazing. So many people say, though, that people just find them on Instagram um, and then the next thing, as you say, they're talking deals. I know it is quite funny to think how business is done in, oh, in this day and yeah. age, especially on social media. Absolutely. So you are obviously really busy with a lot of things going on. How do you manage your time? Time is always a challenge. And like yeah. anyone, I don't think we can have a perfect balance. Um, but I will always carve out time for um, projects 
or activities that give me and bring me energy. So when I say energy, they just can spark joy, like Marie Kondo, for example. Um, So I will always make time for things like mentoring and sitting down with um, friends and um, different people that I've connected with on LinkedIn. But I will try and make that before, let's say, nine o'clock in the morning. So I might actually um, go to a local cafe and just allocate that time to have breakfast with someone, have a morning coffee. I'm generally a slow starter. So um, really with my time, I'm quite flexible. Yeah. And I think kindness, showing myself kindness, I don't think we can ever be perfect. I'm certainly um, an individual that never came from a structured environment. I'm a creative. I get lost in cities. I like to wander. Um, I have a bit of an adventurous streak, but I've sort of embraced that where even, let's say, this week, I am working on the weekend at a show. means that this morning I might have woken up at 9 o'clock, and I know that is quite late, but um, not not judging myself and not putting pressure on myself um, Mm. to be in the office at a certain time, to be doing certain things. I really work with my energy levels. I work with um, how I'm feeling in general with health, given health is a priority. Um, And I just try and manage and structure at least the basics and the most important things um, into my calendar, really. So do you find that you work late some nights or you're quite good at clocking off? Um, I will sometimes go up till seven, eight o'clock at night, but I will definitely disconnect. Um, And something I've been um, able to do is literally leave our co-working space. Um, We work from a beautiful co-working space called The Commons in South Melbourne. Yes, Um, leave laptop, leave leave everything there and when I get home I will absolutely disconnect there might be a few posts and Instagram but that's as far as it goes (laughs) how many people are in your team so there is four of us um in our team um sales manager and operations manager and someone that focuses on supply chain and logistics and myself and we rely heavily on contractors as well so um, our, our company model has been all about outsourcing, um, third-party logistics, third-party manufacturing, um, and that's given us sort of um, an easier step in terms of scaling and um, producing products quickly and efficiently. Yeah. So for next year, do you see, you know, with the growth of the business that you're going to have to increase your team numbers or do you think you'll be able to um, get more contractors or how do you see that playing out next year? So I definitely believe that next year is going to be a very big year for us. I think we are scaling um, quite quickly and next year is about bringing on at least um, a couple more hands. However, um, having said that, at one point, there was three of us that were all on contract, so I don't. Um, I hadn't taken on people in a full time capacity yeah. or a part time capacity. They were just consultants that came in four days a week, um, and that gave all of us quite a bit of flexibility. Um, yeah. People but want in flexibility general, people, these days, absolutely. Though. Yeah. 
And and I think that's where you find the right people as well. Sometimes mm. um, knowing that um, that people are flexible with their arrangements. They might only want to work three days because they have side projects and have a side hustle um, and want more of a balance um, in life. I think um, it's really important to really shape your business to suit your your employees and understand what makes them tick and understand their lifestyles and their their um, their future goals. Agree. I, you know, I often had this conversation with my husband saying, like, we live in a gig economy these days and people, even if they are working full time, you know, in a corporate role, so many of them have side hustles or visions or dreams or hobbies that they want to turn into something. So you're right. You need to structure your business so that you actually attract the right people. And if those right people have got other things on, you need to be able to give them that flexibility because that's how you get the best out of everyone as well. That's correct, Alison. Definitely when you say flexibility, I think that's the key word. We all yeah. want a bit of flexibility in our roles, in our positions, in our life. Um, and the more we can um, make that work, I think we generally build up a culture that's really trusting and high-performing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, clearly I'm going to be watching your business grow and flourish because it just sounds like you're in such an exciting phase of the business. So, um, yeah, I will be cheering from the sidelines while I also drink your milk. It's so good. I'm really, really glad. (laughs) Fabulous. Well, good luck for the expo this weekend. Um, And, yeah, hopefully you get a bit of downtime of the weekend as well, if that's possible at an expo. I'm not so sure it is. I'm always wandering the aisles and also part-time shopping as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Fabulous. Linda, thank Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Alison. 